Welcome into No Pun Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. You may notice I look like I am in a dilapidated room because there's a weird wire to the right side of me or to your left because you're watching me on the screen. Uh, I am on remote location back home, so if my audio suffers, I completely apologize to everyone listening. But I could not skip this show. We are covering the New England Patriots, which, as if you've listened to the show, they are my team. We all know Josh's team is the Eagles, who we covered last week. And if you missed last week's show, check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you're listening on 97.3, check us out there as well. And if you're watching or listening to the recorded version, we record live Normally Wednesday evenings, but today we have a very special guest joining us, which means we're doing a little earlier in the day on Wednesday. Josh, I'll let you take over from here to introduce our third co-host and our newest guest who is first time on the show. Thanks, Joe. And as you guys can see, we've got Ryan with us at the Fantasy Five. Ryan, always nice to have you on board with us. And we, we, we've got one of your bosses, actually. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a running theme for the last couple of weeks. So. <laughs> Would go to Big Big welcome to Dave, who runs FantasyGo.com. You can find him at FantasyGoNFL on Twitter. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us, man. I know it's kind of early out there on the on the West Coast. I uh, know 10 a.m. It's uh, you know, bright and early. Normally, normally I'm drinking a beer while I'm doing a podcast, but it might have to be a coffee this time. Oh, are you kidding me? I Bloody mean, Mary's, mimosas, perfect. There morning. you go. <laughs> I, I had a former coworker on a Thursday walk out of his office, grab two Miller Lights out of the beer fridge and say, it's one of those days and walk back into his office. Two o'clock <laughs> hey, on a Thursday. Five o'clock somewhere. Like, I mean, you know, hey. Uh, life mantra right there. I, five o'clock during these times is getting earlier and earlier, you know? Yeah. Right, so pretty soon, pretty soon it's gonna cre- you know creep into eleven. I, dude, it's quarantine. There, there yeah. are no time constraints right now. Like, well, hey, look, <laughs> it's it's nighttime in Australia, right? It, oh, it is actually. There you go. It's like two, two a.m. Two a.m. <laughs> At t- two a.m. bar run on a on a Thursday would be Thursday morning in uh, Australia. There you go. So. Uh, been living in San Diego for about eight years, but uh, yeah, when I first moved over here, I was trying to follow rugby and what have you, but I got sick of waking up at 3 a.m. to watch the game, so I, uh, I gave that up pretty quickly. But, so yeah. a- a- AFL or the or rugby? I'm a rugby, so a lot of people okay. think that everyone in Australia likes AFL, but no, the, it's very divided. The top half likes rugby, the bottom half likes AFL, but the whole country likes cricket. It's uh, I know yes. it seems like a boring sport, but we love it. Now, is that the the BBL that you follow? No, 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 no. I don't don't follow that uh, too much. It was the uh, it's the twenty twenty. It's the the short version, which takes about three to four hours. Yeah, the T twenty. Yeah. So with yeah. the the former agency I worked with, we partner with uh, the BBL, the WBBL, AFL, some of the rugby teams over there. So that that's why I asked. But all right. So before we before we go on, I know I know. We, we don't talk rugby ever, so I, let's get this rugby in here for a little bit. Because uh, first off, if you haven't watched rugby, you think football's brutal? Watch rugby. It is way more brutal. Like, these See, guys I, are maniacs. I don't know, man. I respectfully disagree because here's okay. the thing. You're always, you're always hitting around the, the middle of your body, right? Whereas sure. you'll never see a rugby player just put his helmet down and, you know, and, or put his head down, I should say, and just run like a freight train. So, yeah, I think that the helmets give this uh, false sense of protection here. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's a little bit tamer, I think. Okay. One of the discussions I saw about trying to lower concussions was get rid of the face mask, and you're going to see people lead with their face and their head way less. So, that's oh, an interesting time. point. So, 
Yeah. Talk. All right. So who's your rugby team then? Uh, the Brisbane Broncos. Nice. So, uh, Great name. Yeah. Great. I know, I know. <laughs> Actually, I think we stole a, stole a bunch from uh, the NFL. There's you know, Cowboys, Broncos. There's, there's a bunch of them in there, like five or six of them. What's the most yeah. Australian team nickname down there? Oh, like, are they the good... Kangaroos? There better, there better be a team <laughs> the, name called the, the Kangaroos. The Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs. What is uh, that? That's the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Pretty much just Rabbit. Anything in Australia, we just add an O to it. Davos, okay. Evo, okay. anything like that. So they call them the Rabbitohs. It's actually owned by Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is the, oh. owns the team. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's probably probably the most Aussie uh, Aussie name I think. Join us for next week's show when we do team previews on the South Sydney Rabbitohs <laughs> and the <laughs> Brisbane Broncos. Please join That'd us for a, next week's show. Be a very uh, quick podcast. Yes, this very. Is, this is the longest we've kept Josh quiet since I've ever. I know. Been. Oh, I don't crap about rugby, man. <laughs> Josh, I don't either. It's just all I know. Fun fact for those who've never watched rugby: you cannot do a forward pass. Everything has to be backwards. So it's a exactly. fun, fun fact about rugby. It's really confusing when you watch it because you're yelling at them to just toss it forward. No, no, no. You can't do that. So um, lead, leading into NFL, that's actually a lot of people don't know. That's that's how American football came about. Yeah, it was a revolt against. Uh, Against, I guess, the way they're done things. So they just went, all right, we're going to pass forwards. So there's five tackles in rugby. They went, no, we're going to make it four. So that's why there's four downs and they oh. pass forward. So anyway, very cool. So it does have something to do with it, sort of. Look at this. Yeah. You're le- Everyone listening, you're learning. You're welcome. You're welcome. You, <laughs> you expected to come here and listen to four dumbos talk some fantasy football. Instead, you have four enlightened individuals talking rugby. <laughs> But now we're going to move into our team preview, starting with the Bills. Then we move on to the Patriots and the Saints. A little bit of the coverage of kind of the stuff that's uh, been going on before we get to the Redskins, which we'll wrap up with. But the Eagles brought back Jason Peters. We'll get Josh's thoughts on that in one second. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, second-year wide receiver for the Redskins, just tore his ACL during training camp. So he's now out for the season. And, of course, the Washington Redskins are now retiring their old nickname, of the Redskins, potentially switching it to God knows what. I really don't know. I, I mean, there's been a bunch of rumors and people have thrown out names on Twitter and Facebook. Well, from really what I understand, ha- they haven't announced the name yet no. because there's so much tied up in like trademark battles and stuff. I guess somebody out in California went through and like registered trademarks for a whole bunch of like different potential names. I Which, saw that. Dude, I've had, that's a f- brilliant five head play. You know how much money Dan Snyder has? Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, what a, why did we, t- quick ways to make money. Why didn't we do that? Reminds uh, me of that episode of the league when Taco like uh, buys the web domain for DallasCowboys.com. Yes. And then they all get invited <laughs> out to Cowboys training camp. <laughs> uh, brilliant. I love it. But yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. So I guess before we dive in here, because this is a hot button topic not gonna cover any of you know the meaning of redskins and all this stuff but if you had to pick a name the washington what would they be josh if what would you like to see the redskins change their name to i've seen the warriors thrown about which i from what i understand snyder has had that trademarked for quite some time so i think that will probably end up being the favorite i'm actually i kind of like red tails um you know, it, it's named after a group of uh, African-American fighter pilots. And I think that, you know, moving from, you know, a racial slur to something that, you know, kind of promotes social justice, I think would be a very great PR move, let alone, 
um, you know, shining some light on American history. Because Definitely. again, they are the team in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. So Definitely. It is, it is pretty crazy. It's 2020 and it's taken this long to change <laughs> yes. their name to be right. Um, so D- Dave, I mean, what, what would, what would you like to see him switch it to? I mean, I hate to, to, you know, just agree again, but I think the Warriors is, uh, is, is a pretty good one. It's nice. It's clean, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, you know, you need to go too far off the, uh, off the beaten track, but, uh, yeah, but really there's, there's, there's no wrong answer. As long as it's not Redskins, I think it'll be fine. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Ryan, any thoughts? The one that made the most sense to me, and I love Red Tails fully on the side of history there, but I liked when someone brought up pigskins because A, it's a football, and B, their fans are the hogs. So, I mean, I, I kind of oh, like I that. that. Keep, yeah, so that was the one that I've been on the side of. If it's Red Tails, I'm definitely cool with that. Warriors is what it is, but. What if we just cut it off at pigs? Can we just call them the Washington pigs? I'm fine with that, too. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the alliteration of the Washington Wallabies. Uh, to, what, why not? Kick, kick it. it. What's a wallaby, Dave? It, it's just a small kangaroo, just a baby yeah. kangaroo. Love it. It's, Fantastic. That's all it is. Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> the kangaroo. Sorry, that's before Joe's time. He, he's not going to get that. <laughs> Random Australian fact. The kangaroo has the smallest brain to body ratio of any animal in the world. They are dumb as nails. So anyway. Interesting. All right. Well, moving from <laughs> moving from uh, dumb as nails to the Buffalo Bills, which seems like an appropriate transition. Uh, we'll start off here again. If you're new to the show, upside downside, trust fall rookies. Josh and Ryan give each of those for them, and then we cover one specific player we want to spotlight. I'll give you my sleeper and my individual defensive player as well. So, starting with the upside, Josh, you have Dawson Knox, the tight end. Ryan, you have John Brown. Downside, Josh, you have uh, Stefan Diggs. Ryan, you have Devin Singletary. Trustfall, you both have Josh Allen. Ricky to watch, you both have Zach Moss. My sleeper, I have John Brown. Big fan of Brown. Still think he's wildly underrated right now. I think a lot of the attention is going to go to Stefan Diggs, and that's going to leave John Brown fairly open, which I'm looking forward to. And then at linebacker for IDP, I have Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, really, really young, great middle linebacker. I think he's only going to improve every single year that he's been in the league. So let's start here. Our big name we want to talk about is Devin Singletary. And Ryan, I'll let you lead off with it since it's your downside. Why are you not a fan of Devin Singletary this year? Um, Honestly, and this is something that's been the talk of Twitter and just the talk of fantasy football is Josh Allen limits the ceiling of Buffalo running backs. Uh, When I was doing my research, Buffalo running backs, I think have scored nine total rushing touchdowns in the last two years. Um, You already have Zach Moss, who's expected to fill the Frank Gore role. You have Josh Allen, who is going to either throw the ball or hurt him inside of the uh, five and 10 yard line. Um, It's basically the best way to put it is he's going to have to do most of his work in between the twenties and break off long touchdowns. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough to match his RB2 draft status. That's Look, it. I, Easy. Go I, ahead, I have, to, I have to agree with you here. Here's the thing. I mean, I want to pull one out for, for Devin Singletary here because he uh, 
you know, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, if anyone watched Titanic, I don't know if you guys are old enough or not, but, you know, Jack finally thinks he's got a winning ticket. He goes on the Titanic, he survives, all to find out Rose won't let him on the freaking door, right? That is <laughs> Devin Singletary, all right? He finally gets a chance. The end of season run was amazing for him, only to find out Zach Moss is coming in, uh, who is going to be the passing down back. But, you know, here's the thing as well, right? A lot of people don't know about Zach Moss. They're talking about his pass-catching ability, in Utah State, he rushed 235 times for 1,410 yards. Guys, that's six yards a carry. I understand college is very different to the NFL, but they didn't bring him in just to be a pass-catching back. And you know, let's talk about the goal line back, which is Josh Allen, who in the last two years has the same rushing touchdowns as Saquon Barkley, 17 rushing touchdowns. I mean, you know, 510 yards he got last year on 109 attempts. Uh, I'm just not willing to pay the the third round price for Devin Singletary when you don't even know what his role is going to be. That's fair. I want to add in that Zach Moss played in the Pac-12, so let's not go crazy. Uh, <laughs> That's very true. It is. It is the Pac-12. Uh, they always never actually. When what's trivia question? What's the last Pac-12 team to make the college football playoff? Is it Oregon? Washington. I, think, I say Washington when they played Bama. Yeah, that so, is yeah. that is yeah. terribly gross, but. No, I I guess on on the side of Singletary, let me see where he's going right now because I I think that really plays into uh, like I I don't have him personally on my radar. This is RB thirty one in my. I say last I saw he was RB twenty three. I just don't remember the round. See that's that yeah that's too high. I mean I I get the. You know, anytime you bring in a running back, especially with draft capital that Zach Moss has, the third-round pick, that's instantly going to raise some red flags. People are going to be like, well, the team doesn't trust him. I mean, I don't think it's that they don't trust him. I just think that this is what teams are doing now. They're going to these running back by committee looks. And, you know, Sean McDermott, uh, their GM, I believe it's Brandon Bean, you know, both of them come from – the Carolina Panthers. And if you remember, like they ran a tandem backfield in Carolina for a long time with D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. And this is what I find very interesting are the parallels between the Williams and Stewart backfields and now the Singletary and Moss backfield. Williams and Stewart for the first two years that they were together, they were top five and top 10 respectively in broken tackles, force missed tackles. You look at Devin Singletary, his last year at, uh, in college at Florida Atlantic, he was second to David Montgomery in the NCAA in broken tackles. Last year, Zach Moss was second in the NCAA in forced missed tackles. This is what these guys do. They grind, they break tackles, and they get those extra yards. With Devin Singletary, what you're banking on is the efficiency because he's not scoring touchdowns. I believe he only had five all of last year, and I think two were rushing or three were rushing, one or the other. And Zach Moss has the ability inside the numbers to get those short, um, you know, goal line touches, so to speak. You know, uh, Josh Allen had, I believe, four touchdowns last year inside the five. Half of them were, uh, or excuse me, four of them were at, at or the second, the first or second yard um, line. And... Half of them, two of them, came on fourth down. So, uh, to me, he's not like the the go-to goal line back. It was just Frank Gore couldn't get it done. 
So now you bring in someone like Zach Moss who can get it done. I don't, I'm not saying that Josh Allen's rushing touchdowns are going to diminish, but what I do know is that Devin Singletary is not going to be that guy. So unless he is getting additional receptions to go on with the 160 to 200 carries that we expect him to get, it's just not going to happen. Buffalo running backs last year had 80 targets, and Josh Allen was the lowest, had the lowest percentage of checkdowns last year among quarterbacks. So that tells me that he's not really looking to target running backs. Zach Moss has a proclivity to be a receiving back. Singletary, we saw, can do it. But I don't know that that's going to be the option, especially when you go out and you bring in someone like Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Josh and I were actually having this discussion on Twitter, and I could see that I was losing, so I had to change the narrative a little bit. But inside the five, I found this actually interesting. Um, Allen had five rushes and eight passes. He scored nine times on those. Like, I think his ability to run opens things up for the wide receivers as well and the tight ends to where I just think Josh Allen inside the five-yard line is such a threat. I mean, he's been compared to Cam Newton for such a long period of his time, and I think that's a great comparison. Um, his accuracy is just disgusting. I was trying to find something good to say about his accuracy. You Literally, can't. every <laughs> every metric, there's no adjusted metric where he did not finish last out of every starter in the NFL. So <laughs> there was a there was a video. You know how those rookies go to like those Panini rookie card shoots? Yes. Um, at, at the start of the season, and there were. The quarterbacks were just trying to hit a tire, uh, like you know, throw a football through a tire, the classic yeah. like backyard game. And I believe it was whoever came, it was Darnold, Baker, and a couple other quarterbacks. They were there trying to toss it through. And you know, Darnold and Baker, they were hitting the tire or were close to getting it. Allen's first throw, like didn't even hit the thing the tire was being held on. It, I was like, it reminds me of he, how was your first of- round pick? It reminds me of Major League where he, he, the guy cuts the head off of the practice batter. <laughs> like Josh Allen, Josh Allen killed somebody with the first throw. <laughs> I mean, the guy- yeah, that's the thing. Allen is fun to watch, though. And because of that rushing upside, you want him in fantasy. I, I still maintain the yes. narrative that he's, not, that he's not a great pro quarterback. I would say he's average at best. But again, we're, we're not talking real life. We're talking fantasy. And this is a guy that you want because of what he offers from a rushing perspective. Yeah. Were, were you guys picking up uh, Allen? I mean, obviously, you, you know, Mahomes and, and Jackson are the top two quarterbacks, right? Where do you guys have him ranked in? And where would you ideally like to pick him up in fantasy drafts? In my projections, he statted out as QB7. Um, I'm in. Uh, David and I have done a ton of mocks together. I'm QB very late guy. Um, if one of the top guys falls to like the fifth or sixth round, I'll grab them at that point. Cause it's just getting ridiculous. Um, his ADP is QB seven. He stats out as my QB seven. He's going in about the sixth round and I just don't take quarterbacks that early. So I'm probably not going to see much Josh Allen, but if he falls to the eighth, ninth, 10th round, I, I, I'd consider grabbing him at that point just because of his rushing upside. Yeah, I have him as my QB9 just from projections, so I'm kind of in that same vein. I mean, I, I was talking up Allen last year as well before, um, you know, everybody was kind of jumping on the bandwagon. Our One of our writers, Chris Molina, he kind of was, you know, turning me on to Josh Allen, and I was like, you know what? For a late-round dart throw, I get it. The consistency wasn't always great, and again, that boils down to a lot of the accuracy, and, you know, he's one of the top deep passers. Like, his, his game is I'm chucking it, 
that's that's where I'm going. Now, granted, the accuracy still isn't great, but when you're throwing that many deep passes, you have a higher chance at bigger plays, which obviously boost up your uh, ability to gain chunk yards and additional touchdowns. Yeah, we touched on him as the sleeper. John Brown was eighth in the NFL in air yards last year, and I don't think Diggs is going to change that. He's going to take some targets away, but I last year I called John Brown and Josh Allen Mahomes Tyreek Hill light. You have one of the strongest arms with one of the fastest wide receivers. Even the loss of targets going against CB2s now, I think John Brown is going to just do fantastic. I don't even with the loss of targets, I don't know that his numbers are going to drop much. Yeah, and Stephon Diggs is a great deep threat too. So, I mean, it, it, you know, we talked about this going into last year with the Bills. Like, they brought in talent that fits with what Josh Allen does best. You're doing the exact same thing this offseason with, um, you know, bringing in Zach Moss to kind of fill that Frank Gore role and be more effective at it, mind you. And then Stephon Diggs, whose ability not only as a route runner, who – if you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, John Brown was a great route runner as yeah. well. Diggs has that same quality, can also get down the field. So now you've got Diggs opposite John Brown. You've got Cole Beasley in the slot, who's always had really good hands and a high catch percentage. And that helps when you have a very inaccurate quarterback. This offense is set to really succeed. So I'm interested to see how it continues to grow and if Josh Allen can maybe take that next step, even at the very least get into the low 60% completion area I, I, and as you said i mean sorry i was just gonna say john brown i mean you know this this guy's a stud you know you're picking him up late and what i love about him you know you, you raise a great point ryan is that that he's probably going to be going up against the second best cornerback on the team whereas last year he was the number one now smoky brown has some wheels don't get me wrong but i don't think he's that caliber of a player like steph on digs oh, definitely where he not. can really draw double coverage so i'm excited to see what he's going to do as far as you know matching up one-on-one against the second best cornerback i think those numbers are only going to go up to be honest you know last year was you know 1060 yards six touchdowns it's that's not bad at all you know especially you're picking them up probably in the eighth or ninth round maybe oh you could probably get them later than that honestly i mean this is a run first offense they're not going to be throwing the ball a ton so it's very hard to support even one wide receiver a la digs let alone two John Brown's currently going as wide receiver 47, which is, which is the last pick in the ninth round. Okay. Um, so he's going, if you, you know, that's his overall, if you look at his overall, he's going in the same round as guys like a Julian Edelman, Will Fuller, uh, a few picks before Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk. So I mean, I would definitely rather have Jones or Kirk over John Brown. Personally. No, sure. Sure. Definitely. But at that point, like Brown's technically like he's wide receiver 47 right now. Whereas like Christian Kirk is wide receiver 37. I, I will say this though. Overall. I don't think John Brown represents upside the way that guys like Kirk in a high passing offense. Oh, definitely. Jones high passing offense. Even Edelman is as the presumed number one, which I mean, I'm down on Edelman, but still there's still upside there. I can recognize that. Uh, and even Will Fuller, like we've seen how good Fuller can be when he plays and when he's healthy, it's always just been a matter of health for him. And without, DeAndre Hopkins, there's room for a true number one. Can it be Fuller? Will it be Cooks? So I think I would probably take all those guys even before John Brown just because of the amount of upside they represent. Yeah, I know we're not talking about the Cardinals, but the number, if you look at targets per game, Larry Fitzgerald was the number two wide receiver there with 110 targets. I don't know that the number, I'm not in on Kirk or this passing offense. Um, Fitzgerald had four touchdowns last year. Kirk only had three in 13 games. 
I don't know that there's going to be a ton of volume for the wide receiver too. I would happily take John Brown over Christian Kirk. They ran by far the most four wide receiver sets. When you're running yeah, four wide receivers, saying. you're throwing the football. Oh, I agree. So but I think that just maybe not for the, the wide receiver too. Yeah. Well, it's either you're throwing the football, or your tight ends suck. So yeah, and they don't they don't utilize the tight end position. Not even all. a little bit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So there's your reason on the, on the Cardinals there, but no, I, I think this offense, if Josh Allen, I think where John Brown will end on this. I think where John Brown's sort of position is going to lie this year is less in the deep game. It'll still be there, but I think Diggs takes more of that deep ball role. Whereas John Brown, he's very clean on out routes, fades, stop routes and slants. He's very clean on those routes. So if Josh Allen can figure out how to throw a slant pattern, John Brown has the speed to outrun. I would say 90% of the DBs in the NFL right now, they're going to be covering him. He is deceptively quick. He doesn't look it, but he's deceptively quick out of his cut. And then once he catches the ball, he takes off. So if John Brown could do that, I think that I think there's a very good chance that they can succeed. And now team of the hour the new england (laughs) patriots um the dynasty is not i really can't even say with confidence that the dynasty is not over because i really don't know um but yeah we don't know what cam newton's gonna show up we don't even know if cam newton's gonna even be on the team by then who knows upside josh and ryan you both have Nikhil harry (laughs) i'm i'm not a hater and i will i will i will tell you why all right I will tell you why once we once we start talking about noon. I'll I'll reverse the roles, Josh, and you can be the uh, the host on this no, on this okay. team. <laughs> Downside, Josh, you have Edelman, Ryan, you have Sony Michelle. Thank God. Uh, Trustfall, Josh and Ryan, you both have James White. Rookie to watch, you each have two different tight ends. Josh going with Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. And Devin Asai Asai from somewhere. UCLA. Thank you. Great. Uh, Sleeper, Damian Harris. This is solely based off of my hate for Sony Michelle and my thought process that Rex Burkhead will play four games this season because of injuries. And James White, they don't hand the ball to James White. It's that simple. And then uh, IDP, I have Josh Uche out of Michigan. He was their their first real pick in the draft because I don't really count a D2 safety as their first overall pick in the draft. Although, God, he'll be a Hall of Famer in 10 years, <laughs> knowing Belichick. Uh, but Belichick has had a success drafting linebackers in the second round, in the third round. He has had little to zero success as of late drafting safety. So I love the Joss Uche pick. I don't know if he's going to be used more in a pass rushing role or more of in a Kyle Van Noy type role. Well, if, you're if you pick- look at his college production, it, it's pass rushing. And, and that, that's what I assume it's going to be. So if you're in a league where it's either deeper or you're very sack dependent, I think Josh Uche is a good dynasty pick because I don't know if he plays too much this season just because he's a rookie. There, yeah, well, he's a rookie. There is a good amount of talent on that defense, but a lot of it normally lies in the secondary where a lot of their linebackers and edge guys have either departed or uh, there's just ample opportunity. So he may see the field this year. Because uh, Winovich, if you remember last year, saw a decent amount of time, mostly on pass rushing downs, but Uche could see more time this year. But a great dynasty pick there. And one guy that wasn't mentioned in any of this because, well, he was signed way after Josh and Ryan did their upside downside picks for these guys, Cam Newton. So 
I guess I'll start here because I'm the Patriots fan. Um, Just so you know, Joe, I'm actually a Patriots fan. I was going to say, David's a huge Patriots fan. (laughs) I'm a massive Patriots fan. And uh, look, it is tough being a Patriots fan. And I'll tell you why, all right? Oh, stop with that crap. Tough being a Patriots fan, my ass. Josh, let the man speak. It is. When you're winning, people do nothing but call you cheaters and rag on you. And then when you're leaving, Losing people love laughing at you, so there's never a great time to be a Patriots fan, right? We're hurting, we're hurting inside, you know. And the, you know, the oh the, my the quarterback heart that left us. You. Thank Josh, you, thank you. I you want know? you to I imagine no sarcasm, right? <laughs> I want you to imagine we're the Dallas Cowboys, except we win. That's that's the difference. Like Patriots fans are like <laughs> Cowboys fans, except we win. That's essentially we don't reminisce about the '90s because the '90s were a dark time. We we reminisce about stuff that happened, you know, two years ago. So no, I guess starting exactly. with the starting with the Cam Newton thing. Joe, you're just too young to remember when the Patriots didn't do crap. Yep. That's no, that's a that's hundred percent. I was born in ninety-eight. We've won six exactly. Super Bowls in my lifetime. Tom Brady has been the quarterback ever since I knew the word football. So yeah, go me. I uh, just kind of <laughs> got lucky with Boston sports. But Cam Newton, I mean Look, he has to follow up Tom Brady. So, and I, I've said it on the show before that I lost all respect for Cam Newton as a player when he didn't die for the football in the Super Bowl. Lost all respect for that guy. I think he's, I think he's great off the field. You cannot deny anything he does in the community for that, for the area of Charlotte and the entire like North Carolina, that area. He has done so much for them. Great with kids, all that stuff. His personality can be a bit abrasive and a bit strange at times. We've seen him at the podium be a little crazy. And I've heard people say that, well, how is Bill going to handle the personality of Cam Newton? To that, I say, he handled Chad Ochocinco and Randy Moss. He's fine. Okay? I'll put Randy Moss's ego and Chad Ochocinco's ego above Cam Newton's any day of the week. It's not even close. So, Newton, this is a complete, like, Newton's not coming off a good year in signing with the Patriots to play under Bill Belichick. He has not been good for about three or four seasons. Like, he really hasn't uh, not been. True. 2018, he was pretty good. 68% completion percentage. <laughs> okay, I a completion percentage is bullshit. I refuse, <laughs> I refuse to do anything with that set. Drew Brees completed 75% of his passes. You want to know why? Because Alvin Kamara stood two feet next to him. Completion percentage is the worst statistic today in football. The worst statistic. 3,400 yards, 28 so, total touchdowns. <laughs> he didn't throw over 4,000 yards. How does team He's do? only done that once in his career. <laughs> Listen, guys. Because of how much he contributes as a rusher. Like, Okay, all right, fine, fine. Kim Newton was yeah. good two years I, ago. He's not coming off a good year. <laughs> He's not coming off a good year. He was hurt. That's my point. He, he was hurt. Yeah, exactly. He only played two games. <laughs> That's my point. I'm, I'm He's not coming Kim. off a good year. I'm <laughs> I'm pumped about Cam, and here's why, right? So, yes, he, he's been playing hurt, but he's had a year and, the, and some change to get over it, right? And you, you talk about his rushing ability. Guys, he had over 4,800 yards in his career. That's more than Melvin Gordon, Devonta Freeman, Carlos Hyde. And, you know, excluding last year, he averages roughly 600 yards rushing per year. I still think we're going to get a lot of that rushing Cam, all right? It, it's it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a Josh Allen-esque. I mean, you guys mentioned a before about Josh Allen, I can see Cam being that guy, you know. Plus, he's got Nikhil Harry, 
you know, Bill Belichick, you know, isn't silly. It's the first wide receiver he's picked in the first round in a long, long time, all right? So Nikhil Harry has upside, which I know we'll, we'll talk about. Julian Edelman is still who he is, right? So he's got past catches. Yes, they do need a tight end, but, you know, it, it's, it's still Cam Newton, you know? And the one thing I do want to touch on, right, is people, you know, the, the, the Sony Michelle, you know, James White debate, and, and Ryan, this is where you and I are going to have a, a, a McGregor versus Khabib rematch, all right? Because we, we have very opposite views about this, all right? So I want to point out some stats. In 2015, when he had this MVP performance, right, Jonathan Stewart rushed 242 times for nearly 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, right? That is the seventh most in the league. Now, you know, the, the one other point I want to point out is his pass catching. He only had 16 receptions for, was it, 99 yards and one touchdown, right? The other two running backs accounted for 25 rushes, 45 rushes, which was Fozzie Whitaker and Cameron Artis Payne, uh, and they only caught 17 catches between them, right? So he does not like checking the ball down. This is where I think it hurts James White and helps Sony Michelle. I don't think Cam is going to give those little dump-off passes, you know, like Brady did. I think it's going to either going to be rushing, Cam's going to rush it, or throw. So it's going to be Sony, Cam rushing it, or he's going to throw the ball. So sorry, that was my little rant. But so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin your take. I'm sorry. I know we're Patriots fans. I'm gonna ruin your take. <laughs> Jonathan Stewart's not a pass catcher. Fozzie Whitaker's not a pass catcher. Cameron Artis Payne is not a pass catcher. Christian McCaffrey in two seasons with Cam Newton had 187 receptions. 187 receptions. Now, now McCaffrey is a, a thousand times better running back than James White, but. James White's hands could definitely compete with McCaffrey. His route running is crisp, and he's a one-cut style back. McCaffrey, again, way better. But James White is going to play that McCaffrey to Cam Newton to where James White's – the moment they sign Cam Newton, James White goes from a flex spot to going back to an RB1 from two years ago. Like, that's his potential is, like, now top five at this point because in PPR leagues, he's going to have so – much opportunity to catch the football. I know Newton comes in and he's brand new. He doesn't have any prior relationships like Brady did where Brady was like, okay, I'm only throwing to Edelman and white. Cause they only catch. They're the only ones that could catch the football. I know Newton's been working with Harry and he's been working with a bunch of different guys. And I'm a huge Nikhil Harry fan, but James white benefits from this so much. And Sony Michelle, listen, the one thing I have against Sony Michelle is if he ran the football on that two-yard pitch that James White scored in the Super Bowl, Sony Michelle would have lost five yards because he wouldn't have <laughs> fell forward. James White falls forward. Sony Michelle gets blown over by a small gust of wind, like by a three-year-old. Like if a three-year-old blows in his distance, he just falls over. Like he he isn't a running back. Sony Michelle isn't a running back. He's a sorry excuse for a Georgia running back. Because if you look at Georgia's recent history, and even their old history with Herschel Walker, they produce running. Listen. Sony Michelle had two chances from the goal line, from the one yard line to fall forward in the AFC division game last year. He lost two yards on both of those plays. When they put in Rex Burkhead on second down, Burkhead gained those yards back to get them on the one. And what they do, they put Michelle back in and he fell. Sony Michelle is terrible. He is an awful running back. I have no worries about him whatsoever. Don't draft him, please. I'm looking right into the camera. Do not draft Sony Michelle. He's terrible at football. He won't play by week eight. Damian Harris will take over for him. 
The only thing I want to throw Dude, in... I've, I've, go ahead, go ahead. I've opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I want to <laughs> throw in... The inner rage of Joe's. Yeah. Oh, this, this usually yeah, happens this at least every once show. a show. Like, and, and you just happen to get it because now the Patriots are on. So. Well, hold on. It's always, though, it's always Sony Michelle, Jared, Jared Goff, Goff. Yep. Blake Bortles somehow. I don't know how Blake Bortles comes into the equation anymore. He's he like backed up Goff. Yeah, he backed up Goff. Um, those are, oh, and Ryan Tannehill. Oh, yeah. the Titans are next week, right? Yes. Everyone Ooh. come back next week. Two weeks. Two, two all weeks. right. Everyone come back in two weeks. Actually, we'll come back next week too. We still want you here. Come back in two weeks. You hear a nice long rant about Tannehill. But no, it's yeah, Dave. This happens once, maybe twice a show. Um, for those that are, you know, uh, consistent listeners, one, we appreciate all of you, but two, they they hear me rant at least once or twice a show. It's oh, when I it get gets several texts every once in a while. I'm just they're like, dude, Joe's rants are classic. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a classic, it's a staple. I want to throw in some quick things it, on this it, point, though. I feel like this offense is this offense, and it's going to be they're going to throw in rushing plays. When I went back and looked at the games with Jacoby Brissett from 2016, Brissett was able to rush about five times per game. So I feel like that's a safe projection for Cam. Since 2015, James White has been targeted 430 times. That's the most of any NFL running back and second on the team only to Julian Edelman. He's going to get his targets regardless of who the QB is. Cam is a smart guy. He uh, White Doesn't is run clearly, smart. Well, yeah, he's clearly the right. White is clearly the second best slot wide receiver on this team. And I think you're going to see him on the field more just because he's a better overall back like we brought up. He's a better overall back than Sony. You didn't need to have the best overall back when you had Tom Brady back there. I think you might see more playing time with White in camps because with the scrambles, White is a guy who's going to be able to innovate with him and move with him. I think, too, you're going to see a lot more shotgun than under center, which puts James White on the field more. White normally doesn't line up as the single back in a formation because you know when he's back there, he's not running the football. That's when you normally see a Rex Burkhead to kind of give that versatility. Or if Sony Michelle's back there, it's a run. If White's back there... 90% of the time, it's going to be a pass. If Rex Burkhead's back there, that gives you the versatility. Yeah. So I think Burkhead sees more playing time if he could stay healthy over Michelle in that instance. But I think they run a lot more shotgun. I love that you brought up the Brissett thing because when Brissett played, he didn't know. I mean, he was a rookie. He didn't really know the offense. They knew that Brissett could run. Obviously, Cam Newton is a much better runner than Jacoby Brissett is fast, bigger, all the, all these different things. And I think you will see a little more of that Jacoby Brissett offense sprinkled into what Josh McDaniels is going to call. I so just I love that you guys are going through and referencing like the the MVP season. Cam has not been that player. Like thank you at all since then. At all, thank you. The three years since, and I'm excluding last year because he's injured. Like the three years since, so much of Cam's game relies on his rushing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Over the last three years, and again, we're talking 2016 to 2018, he has had two of his lowest rushing attempts per season. Two, because he can't handle the wear and tear anymore. He went from averaging almost 11 touchdowns rushing per season over the first five years of his career to five over the last three years. He's not getting it done as a runner. Yes, I understand. He missed all of last year. Sure, maybe he's healthy, whatever. He's had two shoulder surgeries. He can't throw the deep ball anymore. And we talked about that with Tom Brady last year. And the deep ball has always been what sets up the underneath passing game for the Patriots and Josh McDaniels. If he can't throw the deep ball and he doesn't really have a speedster on this team to be able to do that 
And for someone that's as big as Nikhil Harry, he struggles in contested catch situations. So that's going to, this is going to be a very interesting setup. And I don't know if it's a fully, you know, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole kind of thing, but you're not going to see the same rushing ability from Cam Newton with the Patriots because he's just not there anymore at all. Agreed. Do you guys think Jared Stidham starts over him? I personally don't. I think it's it's Cam. I think it's got to be Cam. There there have been rumors today, on the day of this recording, that Brian Hoyer has looked like the best quarterback so far on this roster. Well, he knows the system better than anybody. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not advocating for Brian Hoyer to start, all right? There is two playoff quarterbacks on this New England Patriots team. Don't you forget about it. Cam Newton and Brian Hoyer, a playoff starter. We don't reference the five interceptions he threw in that game against the Chiefs. <laughs> He's just a playoff starter. But I I think what you see is Cam play and start week one. Here's the two scenarios that the Patriots have. They're either eight and eight, because I can't fathom a team that Bill Belichick coaches that wins – Less than eight games. I just can't bring myself to say Bill. Oh, Belichick so you don't remember the Cleveland Browns days, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, exactly. <laughs> Bill's more evolved now. He has a little more under his belt since then. But I, I mean, listen, Josh, are you going to sit here and tell me you can't? You can honestly sit here and say Bill Belichick's a below five hundred coach. Like that, I, I think. I think you can. No, I'm not. No, of course not. Bill Belichick's not an under five hundred coach, but. If Cam Newton isn't healthy, which has been the speculation as to why it's been so long for him to, to sign with a team, yeah. if he is not fully healthy and he struggles, I don't think that that defense is enough to carry them the way – because, again, you're dealing with a second-year guy in Jared Stidham. Not only a second year, the guy was a fourth-round pick. That's where backup quarterbacks are selected. That's just the reality of the situation. Yes, there are quarterbacks that come in from the second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh rounds that end up being starters and being productive. Obviously, we've seen it with Tom Brady. Russell Wilson was a third-round pick, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, there, there are always exceptions to the rule. But the majority of starting quarterbacks, they come from the first round. It's just the reality of the situation. So if you're going to tell me that Jared Stidham is going to come in if Cam isn't healthy and can't move this offense and lead this team to 10 plus wins the way that Matt Castle did, I'm just not seeing it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because you guys are forgetting. These are inferior weapons. They are. Yeah. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, when he left the Colts and, you know, after neck surgery, went to the Broncos, people were having the same conversation. Adrian Peterson, after he tore his ACL, same conversation. Those two guys put up career high numbers the year following, right? I mean, maybe it was, uh, Peyton was one year after that. It was 2014. He had his 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown season. I mean, the guy absolutely went bonkers. Brand-new system. And you know, we're talking about Belichick. We're talking about Josh McDaniels. That is a huge upgrade from Ron Vera. Yeah, I, I just think that there's so much potential there. But the, the other, one other stat I want to bring up with Cam Newton is, did you guys know he had seven kids? I only found that out yesterday. What? The guy's, the guy's <laughs> catching up. Did you watch that? Uh, Victor Cruz did an interview with uh, Todd Gurley, Cam Newton, and Odell Beckham. If you get a that. chance, watch it. I'll have to look and, that. Yeah, he, he talked about how he has seven kids. I'm like, oh, my God, he's secretly catching up with Philip Rivers, and no one's talking about it. Yep. That, that's is the it, most impressive stat for me. Is it seven <laughs> kids with the same woman, or is he pulling in Antonio Cromartie and having, like, seven baby mamas? I 
Yeah, he didn't mention a significant <laughs> other, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? It could knows? be chromatic. Could be chromatic. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, believe, no, I believe in him. I believe in Cam. I, I think he's gonna. You know, he he's got the the tools there. He's got the weapons. He's had a year and a half off. You know, uh, I understand. You know, he was he was injured, but it's the NFL. They got the best of the best doctors, and yeah, you know, he's still young. He's still what thirty one, right? That's not old. He's not old. Yeah, no. but he's got a lot of wear and tear from all that rushing, and he does. he's not shy about lowering his helmet and taking a hit. Yeah, that's the difference that's between true. Cam and someone like Russell Wilson. When Wilson runs, he slides. He doesn't take that same type. It's of true. Play. So, I I, I think I think another thing to to add to that is you talk about like you know Wilson, Lamar Jackson's another great example of two guys that run but don't take hits. They're not built to take hits. That's the issue is like, yeah, Russell but Wilson, just because you're built to take no, a no, hit no, no, doesn't no. mean that you should take a hit. Josh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not still saying be smart about it. I'm, I'm not saying you should, but a guy like Russell Wilson sitting at five eleven, barely 200 pounds, like he's not going to sit there and drop a shoulder against Bobby Wagner in practice. Whereas Cam Why not? Newton, Devin Singletary does, he's only, you know, 200 pounds soaking wet. Devin Singletary's a running back. That's okay, the, the you're still talking about guys with the same type of frame. That's the point that I'm. Devin getting. Singletary can squat 500 pounds. Russell Wilson can't. There's a whole. How do you know? Have you seen video of him not being no, able to do that? No, but every small running back can squat a stupid amount of weight. Every small running. Maurice Jones Drew deadlifted 550. Yeah, he was 57. Well. Okay, Maurice Jones Drew would run through a brick wall with no questions asked. Russell. Quarterbacks are not built like running backs. They're Correct. Just That's why they need to be smarter. It doesn't matter how big jo- they are or small they Josh, are. Josh, I am not disagreeing with what you're saying. If you let me freaking finish what I want to say, okay? I'm saying Cam Newton's not all there, okay? And that the other guys are, and they don't have the mentality of Lamar Jackson's a tall and built human being. Lamar Jackson is not dropping a shoulder against Marlon Humphrey in practice. He's not dropping a shoulder against a D tackle. Cam Newton is 6'6", 250. He's built like a fridge. Like the guy could run through anything he wanted to. I'd love to find a fridge that only weighs 250 pounds. Uh, well, what, what was it? Uh, well, hold on. You, you bring that up. How much did William Perry weigh? Right? Because he was the refrigerator. How much did he weigh? There's no way he weighed as much as a refrigerator. William I don't Perry. know. Looking he at him, he might. He might. Have. <laughs> Perry was what three feet. He was a big boy. You talk, yeah. you talk about yeah. He was a big boy. But I just I think the difference between you guys like Wilson and Jackson and Newton. Another thing is I don't think Newton is as agile just because he's so big. Whereas Jack Jackson could be running a hundred miles an hour and stop right there, just stop, and you'd be blown away that he could do that. Whereas Cam. It's like a he's a train. It takes some time for him to slow down and actually make a turn. Whereas Jackson is like uh, it's like a Ferrari where you can just kind of move left and right wherever he wants to. Newton's built so much more differently. And I, I hope what I hope is that again, I don't know if Rivera was already coaching him and telling him to do this, but whether it be sliding 
or just stepping out of bounds. Cause even Newton wouldn't step out of bounds. Yeah. He would still, he'd pull a Walter Payton, drop a shoulder and still try and get a few extra yards. Yeah. It's almost like he always felt that he had something to prove by running I, over a linebacker or his corner or whatever. Exactly. I know, I know we're getting ready to transition, but Josh, you kind of touched on this and maybe this is speaking towards cam cam played in two full games last year and only rushed the ball five times. So maybe he understands and we're completely overestimating what he might do in rushing and might, fall down into the the 50s and and it might be a non yeah i mean he averages seven what is it 7.4 rushes per uh yeah. game over that's his going career down. That's oh down. that's going way oh, down that's absolutely way down. that's like four you know? maybe five yeah i think yeah. he saw in 2018 that and and again 2018 was the year that he had the lowest career rushes that was the year that he was throwing the ball better you know with a higher completion percentage but you know i think he finally realized hey i can be a quarterback but Again, the biggest problem, all that wear and tear, two shoulder surgeries now, you know, shoulder and speaking of someone that has shoulder issues, they're not easy to fix at all. And if it's on your throwing shoulder, that's only going to deteriorate as your career goes on, the more you throw the football. Yeah. So uh, that being I mean, said, Brady's had the same. Brady's had shoulder issues over the last few years, and listen. people are still ranking him as the the QB five overall. So, well, all Tom, that's done is yeah. sap his arm strength. Tom Brady is going to be forty four playing this season. Tom Brady isn't human, so let's <laughs> we have to understand that is that Tom Brady is still playing football. Tom Brady was drafted in nineteen ninety nine by the Montreal Expos. This that's how long this guy has been in sports. Wow. He's un like he's unbelievable. And it's a great point to bring up in the whole notion of Tom Brady sucked last year and now he's good this year. Everyone chill. Okay. Um, but no, it's it's a good point, is that Brady is just he's a he's another human. He has had, you know, the shoulder issues and like he's had issues everywhere on his body. He's always listed on the injury report. Um, but I'm interested. I think if Newton can at least nail like a 20 yard post route to Nikhil Harry and keep that same underneath guru with white and Edelman. I don't know if Cam Newton is a startable quarterback because I either see the team going eight and eight or 13 and three. And there is no in between for me. They either dominate or struggle to win every single game that they play. Because their schedule is very hard this season. They they don't have a single cupcake on their schedule outside of their division. Here's a here's an interesting well, the, one, the one. And I'm going to pull this up really quick before you jump in. So Brady threw the ball only 13 less than Winston. Thanks for that clock management. Love um, that. The, Cam Newton, only twice right in his step. career has he has thrown more 500. than 500 <laughs> <Yeah>. times. <laughs> So this is a completely different offense that we're working with when you yeah. put Cam Newton in here over, you know, in place of Tom Brady. Last thing I'll, I'll say quickly is, and transitioning into, I guess, the receiving core, is, you know, 2015 when Kelvin Benjamin went down, the one good thing that Cam did, uh, albeit it was five years ago, he spread the ball. It didn't just go to his ex-receiver. It went to it went from Ted Ginn Jr. to Greg Olson to... I think Corey Brown is his name and, and Cotchery and there, there was a bunch of guys and he pretty evenly gave that ball out. So I think it increases Mohamed Sanu's value. Am I going to draft Sanu? Probably not, but I can see that offense, you know, him, you know, spreading the love amongst all the wide receivers, all the tight ends. Another forgotten receiver that played for the Panthers. Oh, Jericho Cotchery. 
I love the Jets too for a while. He was with the Jets. I loved Jericho Cotri. I think he was. I think he was a fantastic. Slot. I love Jericho Cotri. Great, <laughs> great name drop, Dave. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, moving into our last team of the day here, the New Orleans Saints. So, you know, Drew Brees is back. So, good news, bad news, whoever you want to take it. Upside, Josh, you have Jared Cook, Ryan, Latavius Murray. Downside, Josh, you have Emmanuel Sanders. Ryan, you have Jared Cook as your downside. Trust fall, shockingly, everyone agrees on Michael Thomas. <laughs> Rookie to watch, Adam what? Adam Troutman. Um, did they even draft another skill position player outside of Troutman? I don't I think, think Troutman they did. was the only one, yeah. I, I think, think everything else was like defensive round line. quarterback. Oh, yes. So beware the six-round quarterback. Don't worry. Yeah. T- Taysom Hill will beat him out. <laughs> him and his incredible quarterback skills sleeper uh, i have latavius murray i think with murray the reason kamara was so good two years ago was because he had mark ingram kamara yes. fell off last year now he was hurt a little bit last year correct i'm not yes. i'm not misremembering yeah. that so that definitely played into it a little bit but kamara can't be a one he has to be a 1B because he's not a running back. He is, a, he is a scat back, in my opinion. He's a really damn good scat back, but he's not a pure running back. So if you get a guy like Latavius Murray, who is a pure bruising running back like Mark Ingram was, if Murray gets worked into the offense more in terms of running, Kamara is going to have what he did two years ago, and he's still going to be a top 10 uh, running back and well, the thing with Kamara has always been touchdown efficiency, and that yes. that was just completely off the table last year. And and I well, look at what happened. Go ahead. Dave. Look at what happened with uh, with uh, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. They yeah. were an amazing one-two punch, right? Like you said, Ingram Kamara. The the one other team I know we're not talking about them that I worry about is Austin Eckler. Now that he's not a one B yeah. to Melvin Gordon's one A, but that, that's a that's a you know conversation for another day. But I think you're right. I, unless they they make Latavius more of a you know first second down back or at least getting the the brute force you know trying to get him to the forty yard line, I don't think Kamara is is really you know capable of handling. You know the the carries that Saquon Barkley, that Zeke can get, can yes. do, plus be an efficient pass catcher. I 100% agree with that, and that's why I think Murray needs to be worked into the offense more. And I think that's what they're going to do, which is why I have him as my sleeper. And then IDP quick, Demario Davis, the linebacker. I don't think he's ever missed a game in his NFL career. I think he's played five seasons and he's never missed a game. You want to talk about a guy who's going to be in your lineup every single week, putting up double digit points. They may not be like 20, 25 point games, but they're going to be double digits every week. He's all over the place, can do a little bit of everything. Something I want to bring up before we get into Emmanuel Sanders, because I know that's our topic of conversation. Management clock brought up another great thing. He has Breeze as his quarterback five. Now, I think that's incredibly high and incredibly bold management. Dave, uh, do you do rankings, Dave, before I toss this over to you? I don't know. I, just at least your thoughts I, on Drew Brees. I do, and I'm actually pretty high. I don't have him five, but I have him as my QB 10. I think okay. he's going to do great. Actually, it's funny. We were on a – Ryan and I were on a uh, a, uh, a live draft. Uh, we're in a league, um, you know, what was it? That was about two, three months ago, right? Yeah. And clock management was able to get Drew Brees in the 15th round. That was impressive. Um but, but look, you know, you're talking about some, some pretty decent receivers, an amazing tight end, uh, you know, incredible pass 
catching back in Kamara. Plus, don't forget, Latavius Murray can still catch the ball. So he does have the weapons there. Their offensive line is decent. So, you know, in QB, in, sorry, in leagues where it's really uh, more reliant on pass-throwing pass QBs rather than standard where, you know, a, a rushing QB like Josh Allen's more valuable, I think 10th warrants, you know, Drew Brees. So he's, you know, what, mid-40s. He's, you know, similar age to Tom Brady, but he's still throwing the ball. You know, he's gone over 4,000 yards how many years in a row. You know, the guy, the guy can, can absolutely ball. Well, one thing I want to throw in, first and foremost, it was me who got Breeze in the 15th round and broke clock management. That was you? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but to defend the point of having him as QB5, um, he was the QB4 from weeks 8 through 17 last year. So when he was on the field and healthy, and obviously Michael Thomas played out of his mind last year, but adding Manny Sands, who I know we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, I just th- I don't see that it's out of the realm of possibility that Breeze is that efficient again. I have him. I think he stats out as like my 10. So we kind of talked about that. But having this five is not unheard of and not a bad ranking. Yeah, I have Breeze as my QB 10 as well. Tommy Garrett, our friend from over at Pro Football Network, he's got him at QB 9. Like, And I that's kind of where I look at him. Like he, He's not going to throw a ton of attempts. I mean, two of the last three years, they've been at – uh, 536 and 519 attempts as a team last year was a bit of a spike uh, at 581 but again I think a lot of that had to deal with Kamara's injury so you know what which how many times are they going to throw because the last time they topped 600 pass attempts they were seven and nine like yeah. they're playing good defense they're running the football well they don't need to throw the football a ton so for, for Breeze, what you're banking on is efficiency and I don't want to bank on that type of efficiency without rushing upside as my top five QB. So that's kind of where I fit them in is, you know, sort of that low end QB one range. Awesome. And as we transition here into Emmanuel Sanders, the new, the new toy essentially here for Drew Brees. And he signed a two year deal just like Drew Brees did. And the, the signing of Emmanuel Sanders essentially said these next two years, we're giving Drew whatever the heck he needs in order to win us one more Super Bowl, they are investing heavily the next two seasons to make sure that they at least are put in a position to win the Super Bowl. So Emmanuel Sanders, obviously being one part of that, he will pair opposite Michael Thomas, and he's not a he's not a spring chicken anymore. I think he's thirty three going into the season. Yep, thank you, Josh. Uh, and we'll start. Uh, with Josh on this one, because we have started with everyone else. Thoughts on E-Man? I know you're not a big fan of buying receivers into their 30s, even in redrafts. No, definitely. Especially ones that are changing teams. Yeah, Because you, you always see guys that change teams. They just perennially disappoint. Um, Sanders has always been a second option, right? Which, you know, it's worked for him. He had uh, three years over 1,000 yards, four straight years over 100 targets. Uh, his last year with Pittsburgh, first three with Denver. Um, but outside of that, he's, that's really what he's been. He's been a a very pedestrian wide receiver too. Um, when I look at what the saints have been on offense with Michael Thomas, now Michael Thomas's first year, he had Brandon cooks and Willie Sneed, all three of those guys topped hundred targets. Um, you know, Thomas had a 17.9% target share the next three seasons, 27.8, 28.3, topped with 31.8% of the team's targets from a year ago. 
yes, granted, they have not had a wide receiver two, like a quality one. Uh, the best of that bunch was Ted Ginn in 2017, where he had 70 targets, and he was a wide receiver 35 from weeks one through 16. Outside of that, all of their production has come from either Alvin Kamara or a tight end. You still have Jared Cook there, who I believe had a career high in yards per reception last year. You still have Kamara, who hasn't had less than 97 targets in any of his three seasons. How many targets are there to go around when Drew Brees isn't throwing for 600 targets? This is that's, exactly that's why, really, I, have, I, said, that's this is why, why I I'm down on Sanders. Like, it's really not rocket science. And I think this is why me and you flip-flop, because that's why I'm down on Cook. I think Cook is going to suffer to get Sanders more targets. So I definitely see every point you're making. It's just we're looking at it from two different sides. Sanders had an 88% true catch rate last year, and with Breeze being one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, I think that's going to fit very well. Um, especially they love the short routes. Uh, one of the stats that came up when I was uh, researching for this is uh, Breeze threw 34 passes per game last year. On average, only three of them were over 20 yards. They love short routes in this offense. And, and that's think- where Michael Thomas eats, though. That's his bread and butter. Look, like yeah. Sanders is the, a the speed one that- guy. He's going to get down the field. But, but here's the, you, you raised a great point. Josh, and it's that you know when he transitioned from Pittsburgh to Denver, right? Here's the thing: you know, you said he went over a thousand yards. He went fourteen hundred yards. Then he went, you know, eleven thirty-five, one thousand thirty-two. He was the number two to Demarius Thomas. Now, I know you know people who who may only have gotten into football in the last few years may not realize, but Demarius Thomas was so a good. stud. Yeah, back back in you know like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, he was an absolute beast that warranted double coverage, right? And now, who is warranting double coverage? The absolute beast, Michael Thomas. So he's going to see, you know, maybe a sometimes a safety covering him, Emmanuel Sanders, right? Now, you raise the, the point about the age. Now, the thing is, he's 33. How old's Julian Edelman? Edelman's, what, 33, 34? Why do you think I'm down on Edelman? <laughs> yeah, he, he'll be 34. <laughs> but, but, but here's this, right? Last year, in his, in his 33-year, uh, I guess, stint, he, w- he had the second most receptions he ever had. Uh, most targets, most yards, and most touchdowns in his mid-30s. So the, the last thing I want to say about Sanders is that when he dropped off, who was his quarterback? It was Trevor Simeon. Yeah. He went from Peyton Manning to Trevor Simeon. You know, he's now still had going a thousand from yards with those Trevor guys. Simeon. Just throwing that out there. He's still, but now he's going to Drew Brees, you know, one of, one of the you know, future Hall of Famer, first ballot you know, all time. And, uh, you know, I just I can see nothing but upside here. The offensive line is still improved. So, uh, look, I think as a you're getting him as probably what your wide receiver three, maybe a flex at best. I, I mean, think look, he warrants that, you know. Oh, you, so yeah, and, and look, yeah. I was just going to say that the last thing, you know he was in he was at a at, you know San Francisco last year, right? This is the same team that in the NFC Championship threw, threw the ball what eight attempts. You know, six catches, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, he's he's not had he doesn't have Jimmy Garoppolo thrown to him anymore. Drew Brees is there. I'm I'm all excited about it. So I think it's your wide receiver three. That's a decent pick. It's worth the risk. You wanna know what game we're gonna play? Oh, oh here we go. Because we haven't played <laughs> we it yet. Haven't done it yet. <laughs> Dave doesn't know. Dave, it's the favorite game on the show. Now coin my favorite game. I don't know about these two bozos, but my favorite it. game. It's the classic child game, would you rather, right? So we look at the current ADP of the player in question. So this being Emmanuel Sanders, he's currently wide receiver 42. So if you're drafting him, you're technically getting him looking at rankings as your fifth receiver. 
which you think is pretty good. Like that's, you don't even have to play him in a lot of leagues. You don't even have to play him. I don't know if I draft him over some of these names though. So he's 42. We're going to go between wide receiver 40 and wide receiver 45. So we'll start here. This is PPR leagues. You're getting this guy as your wide receiver five. So that's what we're playing as you're getting him as your wide receiver five. So he's a guy that you would occasionally switch into your lineup. If his matchup is better than your wide receiver four or your wide receiver three, that's the thought process. Keep that in your head. Starting with Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver 42 or Marvin Jones at wide receiver 40, Josh. Oh, Marvin Jones. I want that upside in a higher volume passing offense. Ryan. Marvin Jones. Dave. Manny Sanders, because Marvin Jones is too inconsistent. One week he'll get you 150 yards and three touchdowns, and the next week he's on vacation in the Bahamas, you know, or, or pretty much you know thereabouts. He'll get you one catch for 11 yards. I don't like the consistency. He has the upside, and I know that in the last 16 games he has the same number of touchdowns as Kenny Golladay, being 16, I believe, but it's just too inconsistent. I Sorry. <laughs> I, I agree on the inconsistency factor. I would still take Marvin Jones. I think I, I personally, I would take Marvin Jones over Sanders, but I completely understand if you want more consistency, I think you'll get that out of Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. Wide receiver 41, Mike Williams or Emmanuel Sanders, Josh. That's a tough one. Yeah. I I kind (laughs) of got to think a little bit only because of the quarterback situation, but I, I think I would still go Mike Williams because the one thing that, that he does is go deep. And he does it well, so yes. that's the, I, I want that. At, Ryan, as we talked about on the Chargers show, I think Tyrod's the quarterback. Give me Manny Sands. I don't trust Mike Williams this year. Dave, guys, we've been waiting for Mike Williams to be relevant since the since man invented fire. You know, <laughs> discovered fire, I should say. So, um, so I just I don't like Mike Williams. I couldn't confidently put him in my lineup. He's had what maybe four games in the last three years over 100 yards if that it's not worth not worth the risk i'm taking manny sanders all day long justin herbert has the fourth highest uh power throwing (laughs) rating in madden uh give me mike williams yes yeah baby (laughs) give me i i i'm complete opposite of ryan i think justin herbert i think i think it's the same experiment they did with baker mayfield Tyrod starts for three weeks, gets replaced in week three, and Justin Herbert comes in. I yep. think, I think I Herbert comes in, yeah. and Mike. Will, I, you talk about a guy who can sling it, and a guy who's six foot four and can run as fast as hell down the field and jump and get the football. Give me Mike Williams paired with Justin Herbert, please, and thank you. All right, uh, Sanders is forty two at forty three. Well, I love this one because I love this guy too. Emmanuel Sanders or Darius Slayton of the New York Giants, Josh. Oh, give me Slayton all day. I think he's going to be the um, Giants' number one wide receiver this year. Ryan. Yep, just wrote an article about the Giants' wide receiver core, compared Slayton to Amari Cooper. Give me Darius Slayton. Dave. Man, I'm I'm standing up for Manny Sanders like he's Yes, you <laughs> are. <laughs> getting, getting, getting bullied. Don't pick on my boy. <laughs> like R. Kelly did. Like R. Kelly did in that interview. Um, but, but look, they're... Is Evan Ingram is the number one receiver there, right? He's never and healthy. Come on, never man. healthy. We, we, but if, if if healthy, right? And healthy. Let's not talk. You know, let's not forget about you know you know the top two running back. You know, Saquon yeah. Barkley. They're pretty yeah. much the New York Saquon Barkleys, right? Um, you know, so and then you've you've also got Sterling Shepard. Don't forget about him. 
I, I know it's cliche, but there's too many mouths to feed. I'd rather the number two options option with Drew Brees over Daniel Jones throwing to him. Give me Manny Sanders. Oh, the Daniel Jones disrespect. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to sit here and say him. we're not going to sit Get here and say here, that we <laughs> that we love Daniel Jones, but you know, out of all the skill position players that are relevant on the New York Giants, the only one that can stay healthy is Darius Slayton. Yep. So, I mean, I, if you listen to our Giants preview, I am, I, I am, like John Helm Campus pants off for JT. I'm pants off for Darius Slayton. I think he has 1,200 yards and nine or ten touchdowns. He will go Ooh. off because the New York Giants defense sucks. They're gonna have to throw the football. DeAndre Baker couldn't cover a three-year-old toddler wearing blacked-out sunglasses. Like he can't cover anything. <laughs> And he so, may not be there. Yeah, right. He may not be there this year. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but I just I think Slayton has more catches, more yards, more touchdowns. It's not even close. I'm not worried about the Daniel Jones situation. I'm not a Daniel Jones advocate by any means, but I'm not worried about that. But I understand I understand the caution there. Uh, where are we here? Manuel Sanders or Mecole Hardman? Joshua. This one I would probably go Sanders. But I will say this, Miko Hardman has such bigger upside. Yes. Such bigger upside. So, I mean, kind of going where they're going in drafts, if I already have like three or four guys and exactly. I'm looking there, I would probably go Hardman. But if I needed a flex, I would probably go Sanders. Yeah, Ryan. If I'm drafting strictly as my wide receiver five, I'm going to go Hardman in the upside because if Tyreek Hill gets hurt, Hardman could be so good this year. It's all him. Yeah. Dave. And look, in a similar fashion, I believe in the talent of Hardman, but I, if we're going with consistency, similar to what you were saying, if he, if you need a flex, if you need a wide receiver, yeah, if you're in a full wide receiver league, I'd rather Sanders, but look, if you're already set up wide receiver and you're looking for, for a flyer, someone who can, you can sit on your bench and has potential wide receiver one upside, Maybe I, I might swing to, to Hardman on that one. I hate every skill position player on Sorry. Kansas City, so out of spite, <laughs> I will take Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so I just I don't Manny like Sanders, the You know, people always ask you, what's the worst trade you've ever done? Mine involved Emmanuel Sanders. It was 2014 when he had his monster year. He went over 1,400 yards and I think 10 touchdowns, right? I had Emmanuel Sanders, and Wes Welker was injured, and he was coming back, I want to say, like week four or five. So I thought I was a genius by trading away Manuel Sanders straight swap for Vernon Davis, who oh, got wow. 245 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Wow. That was my worst trade, hands down. That's that's a tough yeah, one. We've all that's been there, man. One. We've that all been was, there. That was brutal. And all, the last brutal. one here, and I already know Josh's answer, so I'll just skip over him. Uh Emmanuel Sanders or Deontay Johnson at wide receiver Ooh, five. Yep, you know five. my answer. <laughs> Uh, Deontay Johnson, for those that haven't uh, heard or seen Josh's thread on the uh, on the Steelers, Ryan. By the way, uh, just put out an article on yes. Deontay Johnson. So head yeah. over to clubfantasyffl.com. You can read all about it. Well, I don't necessarily agree with Josh's upside. First of all, the article was fantastic. Thank you. I don't put him nearly as high as you. I would take Deontay Johnson in this situation for the same reason I would take Nicole Hardman. Dave? I look at this the same way I do with, with Hardman, exact same situation. <laughs> he has potential upside, but I'm not a believer. I think Juju bounces back. I think Juju is the clear-cut no. wide receiver one there. 
you know, I, I just I can't see Johnson, you know, really, uh, really flourishing. But yeah, a similar situation. If I need a flex, I'll take the consistency. If I'm looking for upside, I'll go Johnson. Pass. I'll draft the tight end. Like I don't, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want either of them. Um, I mean, if I could get Johnson as my sixth receiver, maybe. Like I, I, I don't have the confidence that Josh has in him. Josh has him as wide receiver thirteen. Not no. I'm oh not my. ready. Yeah. Oh yeah. my is correct, David. Give me Deontay Johnson this year. You I, want to talk about one of my guys, Deontay Johnson this year? Bring yeah. it. So. When you brought all, up that's a big cool. when you brought up Deontay Johnson being your wide receiver thirteen, we clipped that. I have found myself watching that <laughs> clip and my reaction so many times, like the utter shock. The, eye, the eyes, like I literally went, "Woo!" <laughs> I don't even know where that noise came from. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a. That's uh, a big call. Yes, so, so, I'm so in. I am all any? in. Like all the chips are at the center of the table. I just got to wait four months to, to pay off. What's up? Who's 14, 15, 16? I mean, who are you ranking them? My are we talking like I have, Beckham or do you have? Let's see. No, you have Beckham see, in the tw- top 12, right? While, no, while I, just, I have. So when I when I readjusted my rankings for uh, the Terry, Terry McLaurin, McLaurin. I, McLaurin bumped way up. So right now I have Thielen at 13, Deontay Johnson at 14. I have Cortland Sutton at 15, Tyler Boyd at 16, Mike Evans at 17, and Deontay or Devontae Parker at 18. You would take you you would not take Mike Evans over Johnson? That's huge. No, yeah, that's so here's the thing. Massive. So these are the these are like my rankings based off projections. So would I would I okay. take Mike Evans before Deontay? Sure, I would because I know I can get Deontay Johnson later. Yeah, that, he that's just playing the ADP straight through his projections. So yeah. Yeah. So Damn, we, that's that's impressive. We we got a question from Gray Bear on Twitch that I don't want to answer because next week. <laughs> listen, no, listen, listen, Josh, so you rude, me, Joe. Me <laughs> Gray Bear, I like you, and I like that you're watching and listening to the show. Uh, but next week we actually cover the Minnesota Vikings, and the question is on Justin Jefferson. So that's actually going to be a talking point of next week. So we don't want to spoil anything for next week. So. Listen, next week we're talking Vikings <laughs> along with two other teams next week. Um, I'm forgetting the teams off the top of my head, but one of them is going to be. I'll just respond in the comments. How about that, Joe? Fine, Josh. Wait, now Gray Bear won't <laughs> tune in. Together. Oh, no, he'll still tune in. Don't worry. <laughs> now, now Gray Bear won't. It's just going to be on a lot later next week. That's yeah, 1030. <laughs> uh, and before we go, you know, I always like to, oh, he just followed us on Twitch. We appreciate you, Gray Bear. Look at that. Brand loyal. All I, because uh, I answered the question, Joe. No, all because why. I left him in suspense. <laughs> Gray Bear, we love you. Uh, we also love everyone else listening and watching. I appreciate everybody. And before we before we head off, because we live in fantasy land 24-7 on this podcast, because none of it has affects our daily lives at all. It's all in fantasy world. Um, let's go to the video game world for a sec. Madden 21 is released. Uh, it's going to be released very soon. Yeah, they just released the ratings yesterday for the running backs. Now, I don't know if you guys had the chance to see this, but there was some incredible controversy over where Saquon Barkley is rated currently. Yep. So, ratings go as follows. Christian McCaffrey is a 99. Shocker. Rightfully so. If you could give him a 100, I would appreciate that. 
<laughs> Derrick Henry is a 93. He's the second highest rated running back, which I think is very bold considering he's one-sided. Ezekiel Elliott is a 92, tied with Nick Chubb, who is a 92, who I love that they have that high. Dalvin Cook is a 91. Saquon Barkley is a 91. Aaron Jones made a huge leap. He's a 90. Joe Mixon's 89. Alvin Kamara and Josh Jacobs are an 88. Originally, when the rankings came out, Saquon was an 89 paired with Joe Mixon. There was so much outcry that they actually boosted his rating. Um, but to, to that, like, I had said, I'm sorry, if you look at last year, Joe Mixon was better when the team actually gave him the football. Like, Joe Mixon is a good running back. And I, I just... I, I've, I found this in because you said the New York Saquons, essentially, Dave. And I, I find it because I feel a lot of people don't believe that Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, or Dalvin Cook should be rated higher than Saquon Barkley. And I, and I think those people need a reality check. See, I, I have Zeke and Saquon very similar. If you took them... Either one at two, I'm okay with it. But I think you're right. I mean, to, that's offensive to throw him behind. Look, Nick Chubb's a talent. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm big on Nick Chubb this year. But to rank him three or four behind Chubb, that's that's a little bit offensive. Ch Ch Chubb's a running back. Saquon's boomer bust. I see. This is. I don't understand why people are so up in arms about Madden rank. Like, I get it. It's the huge fandom. But this is the same thing every year. Madden doesn't look at accumulation of career no, they exactly. look at what the happened last year. year saquon was okay and, last year he wasn't great he was hurt that's just the on, way that it goes well and on top of it it's not like they're necessarily saying chubb's a better running back it almost when you look at how madden does it i play a ton of madden it's just a formula if you raise his speed by this number it affects their overall and this yes. that and the other it's just like projections Josh isn't saying he would take Deontay Johnson as the number 14 wide receiver. He's saying he thinks his stats are going to finish there when it all is how it came out at the end. They're not saying necessarily, like I said, Chubb is a better running back, but Chubb's break tackle might be higher than Saquon's break tackle and truck. So it boosted him up. Like it's, it's such a ridiculous thing to be mad yeah, about. So like so, Joe, you, you mentioned with, with Derrick Henry, like, you know, you wouldn't have him that high because he's one dimensional. Well, in a way, so is Nick Chubb. Sure. Very similar. And they're only one one point difference. Yes. I, I think it's criminal that Alvin Kamara is that, the, that, that low. Kamara is the one that people should yeah. yeah, because of what he brings to the table as the receiver and is still a very good runner. But again, he was hurt last year. That's yeah. why he's as low as he is. That That's exactly what I had said when I was talking with people about this is because they were mad about Kamara more so than Barkley. It's he was hurt. He didn't have as good a season last year. And the big thing that plays into Madden ratings, if you've ever played with the ratings for whether it's be a player you create or you're adjusting ratings yourself, the biggest rating that plays into it is awareness. That is yep. one of the biggest things that plays into a player's overall in Madden. So the difference in awareness between a guy like Nick Chubb and a guy like Saquon, Saquon's awareness is an 84. Nick Chubb's is an 89. That's and it. you might that's the whole point right yeah there, so. and and you you may sit there and say why doesn't Saquon have like a 95 overall awareness 
because he yeah, doesn't. He has, like, the worst number the, of, yeah. like, negative yard rushes yeah. in the league. Like, like if you if you were to – if you were to stat out – There's a site, a site that actually accumulated that for us to see because I really well, want to see it. Not here's the thing. If you, were to, if you were to stat out Barry Sanders in terms of awareness, he wouldn't be, like – He'd be probably maybe low 90s, but I'd put him in the high 80s because his awareness wasn't great. He, he didn't know where the holes were. when he I, I would disagree. He knew where the holes were. They just, they just weren't there. Well, yeah, they just weren't there. That's what why. I, what I was going to say, when he, when he got into open space, his agility is a 99. His elusiveness is a 99. His open field running is a 99. It's like all that, but. Saquon's issue is, and Sa- let's not sit here and say Saquon has a godlike offensive line. They are absolutely terrible. But when the hole's there, he something he looks for the big play. Nick Chubb looks for the three yard run. I want a guy that and looks then for breaks the big play. It, and then breaks the big exactly. Chubb takes what's there. Saquon looks to find something that isn't there, and occasionally he'll get it. Cause he's Saquon Barkley and his skill is out of this world. Like the 91 isn't discounting what Saquon Barkley is with the ball in his hands. It's discounting the fact that he was injured last year. He was eh at best. He had some good games, but he was eh at best in terms of consistency. And th- the guy is boom or bust. He doesn't go for just, he doesn't take the easy first down play. He wants the home run every single time. He's not going to take there's the one single. Play. Go ahead. There's one play uh, against the Eagles, I think it was, uh, where uh, I, I love watching that highlight. He pretty much just runs around the whole defense. He starts yes. on the 40-yard line. That was in 2018, I think it was. His rookie it was year. his rookie season. That is one of, the most, one of the most impressive runs you'll ever see. You just, I mean, just talking about, I understand he goes to the big play, but he was so smart just in the way he was duking guys left and right. And yeah, made a 40, 50 yard run, which yeah, but nine times been out of ten, that's gonna down. go for negative three yards. Yeah, and, and that's the know. thing is and that's the difference. It's it yeah. looks because he he what he uh, if I, it's the play I'm thinking of, he hurdled like two guys, made another guy, he shrugged another guy off with a spin move and you know made a few other guys miss downfield, but it's like if they just tackled like a normal NFL player should be tackling and wrapped up, Saquon goes for three yards on that play. And it looks incredible yeah. when he does it. Like it, it, it's nothing short of magnificent when he does it. But it's just the the Madden rating is not going to reflect your out of this world uh, stars in your eyeballs for Saquon Barkley when he has those incredible plays because those incredible plays don't happen. The consistency that comes from guys like, and I'll even give credit to Derrick Henry, is he just consistently runs you over. That's it. He just runs you over. There's, there's, yeah. Got it. There's, there's nothing more to Derrick Henry's game than running straight. That's his entire game. And, (laughs) you know, if he had a bad offensive line, he'd still probably gain five yards per carry because he's six foot three, 200, what, 50 pounds or something like that. The guy's an absolute beast. So, there's the difference. I still don't think Derrick Henry should be rated that high. I, I still don't believe that. Uh, they have his awareness at a 98, which is the highest amongst any running back currently statted out right now, like higher than Christian McCaffrey, which kind of bugs me a little bit, uh, but it's by one point. 
I don't know. I'm not buying Madden this year. I think I'm just feeding into EA's consistency to put out a mediocre product. So I was really hoping that 2K would come in after this next game and start making the simulated games, but EA signed a contract. Listen, please, if you're watching, you're listening, please don't buy Madden. Okay, you're just feeding into EA's mediocrity. I I just... Please don't play Madden 20. Continue to play the exact same game modes you've played because I guarantee you Madden 21 is a roster update that makes Lamar Jackson uh, sit there on the cover. That's all they, it is. They publicly announced. I'm a big franchise guy. Me and two buddies play online franchise together. I do too. They publicly, too. They publicly announced they made no changes to franchise mode. I'm Love like, it. what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah. Gung-ho ultimate team. Yep. Ultimate team. Is, oh, okay, we're done. Um, okay. Well, that was fun. That was a good little wrap up. I I enjoy our our rants at the end. And Dave is currently a black screen, so I don't know if he's still with us. Dave, can you guys hear me? We can hear. Yeah, you. We, we can, can hear, hear you. you. We just can't see you. As okay. long as we can hear you, that's what matters. Yeah. Um. But no, Dave. Before we Very go, cool. we just want to we want to give you a chance before we wrap up the show, just so everyone knows. For those who haven't heard, what is fantasygo.com, and you know what what can users and people find when they visit this site well uh actually ryan is one of our top guys at fancygo.com it's a a, a a site i created last year uh it, it's kind of a, a unique technology if you're in a yahoo league actually you can actually sync up your league with an analyst of your choice uh, and they can actually if you want co-manage the team with you they can do ad drops waiver claims you name it or if you just want someone who you know a, a mentor to give you advice personalized for your team that's what it is. So it's really, uh, you know, I guess I call it the Airbnb of the fantasy football world where uh, you can go on, you pick your analyst based on price rating, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, they, they help you out, win every single week. So it's a week-by-week basis thing. So really you're getting, uh, you know, I guess, a, a, an expert for a week to help you cater for your team. Because uh, that's the one thing. I mean, you can listen to as many podcasts as you want, but every league's score setting is, is different. You know, your, your teams are different. Sometimes you might be saying, hey, do I play player A or player B? But you don't realize the best option is on your bench. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really just, just connecting fantasy experts with, with people, just helping them win week to week. We do daily fantasy, season long, uh, and we're actually going to be in basketball and baseball this year as well. Awesome. I love yeah, it. Check if it you out. Want... You can find Ryan. If you go, go to... Go, go to fancygo.com and you can search for Ryan uh, and he can, uh, he can help you win your league or help with your draft. I love it. Check it out, fantasygo.com if you want a little more personalized touch on your yeah. team. Help week to week with your lineup. It definitely helps out. We can help you out as much as we can here on our live streams, answering questions on Sundays before games. But having that personalized touch from one of our guys like Ryan, that's exactly what you're looking for. You can follow Josh at the one Hudsonian. Follow me at Joe underscore Zolo. You can follow Ryan at the fantasy five. And you can follow Club Fantasy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Club Fantasy FFL. The URLs for today's show, clubfantasyffl.com and fantasygo.com. Be sure to check it out. Get your personalized fantasy advice from there. Always remember, defense wins championships. Offense wins fantasy football. Next week, we have the Minnesota Vikings, Houston Texans, and the Seattle Seahawks with third-time guest on the show. I love to say that. John Helmkamp of the Red Shirts and now Ball Blast podcast as well. The two have merged. Be sure to go check them up. We'll have John on next week. 
and it'll be a later stream, I believe, at 10.30 Eastern. Correct, Josh? Yes. 10.30 yeah. Eastern. John's out west, so it's kind of flipped from Dave. We, we need to go later for him. So Yes. Shameless <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. plug, John's actually an analyst on Fantasy Go as well. Oh. So Woo! There you go. <laughs> there we go. Love it. So check John out Fantasy Ryan's going to duke it out next week. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Excited to have John on. You can be sure that there will be a Jonathan Taylor talk for at least five minutes. <laughs> On next week, no one, no one, didn't draft no one loves yeah. JT. <laughs> no more one loves him. JT more than that guy. I'm, I'm oh, pretty yes. sure he's got a, a poster of him on his roof for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to join us next week for the Vikings, Seahawks, and Texans previews next week. We will see you then. Thank you, everybody.